0: What an awesome opportunity to start the year with worship, right? God is good all the time. and all the time. So I know our kids are in here today, and I, I just want to know if, if our kids, you know, we've done this twice already this morning now, and uh, kids, every, every Sunday morning when I start my message, I always start by saying, God is good, and every, everybody repeats all the time. Then I say all the time and everyone repeats, God is good. So I'm curious, kids, do you think you could do that with me today? Just the kids, anybody, any kids out there? You can determine if you're a kid or not, all right? Are you, are you tracking with me? Hallmark kids are you tracking with me? You can talk back, it's okay. I know your parents have been like, do not talk in church. When, the, when, when I ask you to, it's okay, okay? All right, you got me a little nervous, just to be honest with you right now. OK, here we go. Ready? God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. oh man, you guys are awesome. Very good. Very good. Now let's all do it together. God is good. All the time. And all the time God is good. listen, it's not just a statement, it's a belief. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is Lord. And he is good. And I'm thankful for that. And I pray that as we start the new year, hey, you guys should be excited. You are 100% on church attendance for 2023. Yeah, give yourself a hand, all right? Don't stop now. We'll be back here next week at 9.30, all right? Some of you may not know this, but we actually meet every Sunday. Hey, here's the great, great news also. Do you realize in 2023 there's going to be 53 Sundays this year, not just 52. So hey, you could have perfect attendance on the year that has the most Sundays, right? So we actually start the year in 2023 on a Sunday and we end the year this year on a Sunday. So what a great opportunity to cap out the year from the beginning to the end to be in the Lord's house, worshiping with the Lord's people. We have a a, somewhat new tradition, I think, of celebrating communion on the first day, the first Sunday of the year. And so if you didn't grab a communion cup on your way in, you're, well, there will be time at the end when we sing that you can grab one of these. And, and I'll instruct you at the end of the service uh, when to, to partake of the elements. But at the end of the service, we'll have a, some time of worship and, and response. And during that time, if you didn't get one, you're welcome to go out and get one in the foyer at that time. Um, But communion, uh, often we use the word communion, the Lord's supper, sometimes the Lord's table. But if you look in 1 Corinthians 10, so if you got your Bible or you're on the Version Bible app, we're gonna kinda look at 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12. And in these passages, specifically in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, we see these words used. The reason we use the word communion, we're having, as you can see on the screen today, communion Sundays, because that's the word that Paul used in 1 Corinthians 10. In 1 Corinthians 11, he uses the word Lord's Supper. Okay, so that's why we use those words. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12, we kind of see the understanding a little bit of of the meaning of what communion is. First of all, let's start with what the word communion means. So in 1 Corinthians 10, when he uses the word communion, communion, the the word, the Greek word there is koinonia, which simply means like fellowship. It uh, is unity together. It's closeness. It's friendship. All those things are incorporated in that word koinonia, that we have communion, unity, fellowship, friendship, closeness. That's what he's meaning by this word communion. And so I want to just kind of give you three thoughts this morning about communion. Three things that I think it represents. Of course, we understand that the, as we partake of the fruit of the vine, as Jesus would reference it, whether that's grape juice or you actually have real wine, those have been in the closet for a while, so maybe they are wine. I don't know. We'll see. But it's the fruit of the vine. It represents the blood of Jesus. We partake of the bread and we understand that it represents the body of Christ. So I wanna just give you three things. The first one is this. What does communion mean? What does communion signify? Why do we do this? Number one is it represents communion with Christ. In other words, uh, as we look, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're gonna look at verse 16 and 18. And in this, remember, this is a letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And there's a lot of... um, reprimanding going on in chapter 10 and 11. We're not going to get into all of the details of why uh, Paul was reprimanding the church, but we can learn a lot about what communion means and why we do it, even in the reprimand, okay? It's the first day of the year, so we're not going to get into all the negative stuff, okay? Is Is that good with everybody today? Verse 16, though, chapter 10. Paul says, The cup of blessing which we bless... Is it not the communion? Remember, that's the unity, the fellowship, the friendship, the closeness. Is that not communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which you break, is it not the communion, the unity, the fellowship, koinonia, of the body of Christ? Verse 17, for we, though many, are one. We are one bread, one body. We all partake of that one bread. Verse 18, observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar. And so when Paul uses this word koinonia, he's talking about relationship of Christ and the believer, but also we see the relationship of Christ to the believer and to other believers. But the most important aspect of communion is to realize that it signifies friendship, fellowship, unity with Christ. Now understand that 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 fellowship, that unity, that closeness that Jesus offers us with him came at a high price. So we see in scripture these words like reconciled or ransomed or purchased. In fact, in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul mentions that. And he says that, let me just read it for you. Acts twenty twenty eight: Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. This is talking to pastors. Feed the church which he hath purchased with his own blood. So in other words, when we partake of communion, it signifies our fellowship with Christ. But we have to understand that fellowship with Christ came at a high price. Galatians 2.20, Paul says it this way. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. So if communion represents our union, our fellowship, our friendship, our closeness with Christ, that came at a high price, the blood of Jesus, then who should partake of communion? Well, let me explain it for you. I love the noise of life, don't you? That's awesome. It sounds just like Carlos and staff meeting. You set yourself up for that. Actually, it probably sounded a lot like Carlos last night when TCU beat Michigan. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, me, Carlos, I'm sorry. Is it too soon? Okay, can we have a moment of silence for Carlos? Okay, that's long enough. All right. Hey, what Carlos said is true. We're a family here, right? And if your family's like mine, you might have a little crazy in it, right? Yeah? How many of you have a crazy uncle? How many it's a crazy aunt? Okay. Here's, here's a word of advice. If you don't know who the crazy aunt or uncle is, it's probably you. Okay? Just, just clarifying that, okay? Right, I guess you could have more than one. When we talk about unity with Christ, it came at a high price. And that's in Ephesians 1, 7 says this in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So when we partake of communion, what it's my responsibility as a pastor of this church is to tell you that communion is only to be partaken of those who are already in communion with Christ. And you cannot be in communion with Christ if you haven't placed your faith for salvation in the finished work of Christ. He paid the price. This is good news. You don't have to be good enough. In fact, in order to have salvation, you have to realize you're never gonna be good enough. Jesus was good enough. Jesus died on the cross to ransom you, to reconcile you, to purchase you, so that you could be in communion with Christ and with God, your creator. That's, That's good news. So... If you've never placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, then really communion is not for you because it signifies something that you are not a part of. But here's the good news. You can fix that before we get to that part of the service. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world, everyone, that whoever believes in him, they will not perish but have everlasting Life. And so in order for you to have communion with God through Christ, you simply have to place your faith in Jesus. Acknowledging that there's no way you can get to God except through Jesus. That's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God. No one gets reconciled, ransomed, purchased without coming through Jesus. And you can do that right now. In fact, I'm going to invite everybody to close your eyes for a moment. Before we move on. If you do not have communion with Christ, you can take care of that right now. All you have to do is pray. Surrender your life to God. Confess your faith in him. I'm, I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. If, if you want to be at peace with God, your creator, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, and you could pray, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. And I confess, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. I ask you to save me, to ransom me, to rescue me, to adopt me, to bring me into fellowship. as our eyes are closed, would anyone this morning, young or old, first time in this building, a thousandth time in this building, if you prayed that prayer today to give your life to Jesus, would you just put your hand up for a moment? I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that, just put your hand up wherever you're at. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. There's one, there's two. Anyone else? Three? Three? Anyone else? Four. Could we just celebrate that today? Thank you, Lord. Hey, can I, can I say to you, especially those of you that are prayed, the four of you, Happy New Year. You have a new life in Christ. Not just a new year, it's a new you. God has now adopted you into his family, and I just want to encourage you. Right in front of you, there is a QR code. Scan that with your phone. Let us know the decision you made. We would love to celebrate that. Probably the easiest way for you to do that when you scan the QR code, it says, I wanna be baptized. Fill out that information, okay? If you wanna to talk to me in person, my wife, Joy, and I will we'll be back in the foyer as soon as the church is over. Come tell me. We, we wanna celebrate personally with you. That, that is an awesome decision. Think about what just happened. People in this room on the first day of the year became adopted in the family of God. Communion represents communion, fellowship, unity, closeness with Christ. What a great opportunity for us as we start the year to commemorate that. The second thing communion signifies is communion with the body of Christ. We read that verse 17 of chapter 10 says, for we, though many, are one bread and one body, we are all partake of that one bread. In chapter 11, verse 17 through 20, I'm not gonna take time to read the, the verses. Again, it's more um, instruction or reprimanding that's going on with Paul, but he uses this phrase three different times. Remember, he's writing to a church about communion, and he says, "And come together, In verse 18 of chapter 11, come together as a church. Verse 20 says, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Again, so we see communion in, in chapter 10. We see him referencing what we're going to do today as the Lord's Supper. But he's talking to the body of Christ, the church of God. And he says, when you come together, you have communion with Christ. But you also have communion with the body of Christ. He goes into a little more detail. Look at chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 26 of chapter 12. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I love this statement that I found in Matthew Henry's commentary about communion in the church. So partaking of communion together with the body of Christ. Here's what he said. Christians by this ordinance and the faith therein professed were united as the grains of wheat in one loaf of bread. What a picture of the unity. So again, when we think of communion with the body of Christ, it's fellowship it's closeness, it's unity, it's together. We, as a body of Christ, are united together because we're united with Christ. That's the bond of peace that Paul talked about. Endeavor to keep the peace, Paul said. Keep the peace means there is peace. You see, as a church, our peace comes in laying down of our preferences because we all belong to Christ. Which gives me to, to point number three. All right, communion with the cause of Christ. Let's, let's read. So let's read the, the, the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. This is the typical passage that you would hear read at communion. Again, Paul was not there at the Lord's supper that we know of, or the last supper, or when they were celebrating Passover, the last night when Jesus would be betrayed. Remember him and the disciples starts in John chapter 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, you believe also in me. Starts this long dialogue. It's them in the upper room celebrating Passover. They're looking back when, when God freed the nation of Israel from Egypt. And remember what it took. It took the blood of a lamb in order for the angel to pass over to bring salvation to the nation of Israel. Jesus in his last night before he's arrested, is celebrating what took place many years ago. And that was always a foreshadowing of what would take place this very night. Jesus. Remember what John said when he saw Jesus walking down the road? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus would be the once for all Passover Lamb who would shed his blood and die on a cross so that... Forgiveness of sins, reconciliation, adoption of the family of God, everything we've been talking about this morning would be possible because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus is celebrating that. And, and Paul was not there. But what he tells us is that God revealed to him what happened that night. All right, so verse number 23. For indeed, from the Lord, that which I also excuse me, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, here's where we're going to focus on. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion together as a church signifies communion with Christ, communion with the body of Christ, and communion with the cause of Christ. What's the cause of Christ for us? Proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We're called as a church to gather and go. Every Sunday, Stefan dismisses us. She always says, it's time to now go be the church. And as a church, what unifies us is not our preferences. It's not that we all like the same song or that we like the same coffee or the same donuts. I was kind of sad they weren't there today, but what unifies us, it's union with Christ. It's fellowship with Christ. It's joining together for the cause of Christ. You know what my prayer for this church this year is? that we'd be more unified in the cause of Christ, proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. We've shared this statistic a few different times. It's not my notes, but I just can't help it. It's just on my, it's it's in my head. That there are 200,000 people that live within five miles of this church. Statistically, that means 140,000 of those people that live within five miles of our church do not know Jesus. That's the cause that unites us. If I have communion with Christ, if I have communion with the body of Christ, then the natural overflow is that, that I'm going to have communion with the body of Christ in the cause of Christ. Proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Let's keep reading. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood and of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, many sleep. For if we, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Here, here's what I want to end on this morning. Again, the, the three things we talked about. What we're about to partake of, communion together, it signifies our communion with Christ, our communion with the body of Christ, and our communion with the cause of Christ. But Paul does give a warning. He says that we should not partake of communion in an unworthy manner. The words he uses, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Here's what I know about the times I examine myself. Well, the Bible says that, that his word is a mirror. And when I look into it, he reveals. That's what David prayed. Search me and know my heart, God. See if there's any wicked way in me. And when, when I get into the word, the word gets into me. And you know what? Normally, when I'm, when I'm honest with myself, when I get into the word and I examine my own life, more times than not, you know what God reveals to me? That I'm not really walking in fellowship like I should. There's thoughts that I shouldn't think, there's attitudes that I shouldn't have. And this is what Paul is saying. Before we partake of the elements that signify unity with Christ, with the body of Christ, and the cause of Christ, examine your life. Am I walking in fellowship with Christ? Is my life honoring him? What I wanna to do to close this part of the service this morning is, is to invite Stefan and the team. They're gonna come up and they're gonna lead us in a song, How Deep the Father's Love. And as they lead us through that song, this is your few minutes to examine yourself. If that means coming to the altar and praying and saying, God, I confess, I'm not walking into fellowship with you and I'm asking you to restore relationship fellowship, communion, so that I can partake of communion in a worthy manner. If it's just an opportunity to stand and worship and sing about God's love for us, well then you can do that. I'm I'm gonna invite you to stand and I'm gonna pray. Would you stand with me?